His question hung in the air over the disciples. Their nervous answers brimmed with uncertainty. Some say John, others Elijah, Jeremiah, a prophet. But you, Jesus asked, who do you say I am? Hi, my name is Eileen, and um, I got to tell you, Dan Class, uh, Glass, he made me dress up today. He wouldn't let me wear my normal jeans and t-shirt. So anyway, this is not my normal self. Uh, yeah, so I'm reading um, John 6, 48 through 51 today. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But, there is, but here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Amen. Thank you, Eileen. We're in a series called, Who Do You Say I Am? It's a question that Jesus asks his disciples. He says, who do you say I am? He asks his followers, who do you say I am? And it's a question that we need to ask and answer, we need to answer for ourselves about who Jesus was. Because Jesus made some very, very bold claims about himself. Some I am statements. So I could make some I am statements about myself. I could say, I am Joe, and you'd all, hi. Uh, and you'd all look at me and say, yep, that's great. I could say I'm a husband, and I could point to my wife, and she could testify that she's been married to me for a little while, and you would all nod your head. I could say, maybe some of you didn't know this, but I could say I'm a brother, and my brother is in the back, if you could wave. <laughs> he, he's my brother, he's visiting from Utah. <laughs> <laughs> round of applause, Brian. Um, I could say I'm a son, and it's like, well, obviously, yep, okay, good. And then I could start to say some bold statements. In this case, these statements would be, uh, this statement would be a lie um, in this case. It's a very bold statement. I could say, because I like fishing and I like fly fishing, I could, to try to impress someone or to impress all of you, I could say, I'm a really, really good fisherman. 
And some of you might say, well, is he good as, where's Doug? Doug went fishing yesterday and caught some fish. Uh, where's Bailey? Bailey's a fish. He's probably one of the best ice fishermen I know. Um, and so you could say, well, is how good is he? And if I continued in that, because Jesus makes some bold claims about himself, and then people ask him, are, you know, are you, what are you saying here? And he goes further in and further up, and he makes even more bold of a claim. So if I wanted to do that, if I wanted to lie to you, to impress you, uh, in this case, this is just a lie, I could say, I'm the best fisherman ever. I'm the greatest. And you, some of you are like, well, what about, you know, are you even a fisherman as a trade? Have you ever fished in the ocean? And I, I, could, I could continue and I could say, no, I really am the best. I've caught more fish than anyone in the world. I've caught more different types of fish than anyone in the world. I am the best. You would all just look at me like, why are you saying this? Like, why are you lying? Obviously, you're lying. You're like, uh, does anybody remember Seinfeld when it came out years ago? And the, the, one of the main characters, George Costanza, was just always lying. Whole episodes would be about George Costanza trying to claim that he was an architect. He wasn't. Uh, one episode, he, he wants to get away from giving people Christmas presents, so he gives everyone a card that says, a donation has been made in your name to the... Do you remember? To the human fund. And it's a total lie. He just made this thing up. One episode about this liar, George Costanza, and it's just ridiculous. He, he says to impress a girl that he's a marine biologist. And he, there's this scene where he's, he says he's a marine biologist, and they're at the ocean, and this whale is dying. And instead of fessing up to this lie, someone says, we need a marine biologist. George goes trucking out into the ocean, and in this episode, he reaches down into the, the, the blowhole of the whale and pulls out a golf ball and say, it's ridiculous. He's clearly lying. He's not a marine biologist. These claims that Jesus makes, they are extremely, extremely bold claims. And I, we're, we're in a series where we're going through each and every one of these bold claims. And we have to answer for ourselves, do we think Jesus is lying? Another option would be, well, maybe he wasn't lying because maybe technically he believed his own lie, but maybe Jesus was delusional. That's what people sometimes say about Jesus. Um, there's a guy here in town, I won't give any more details uh, about who he is, I'd hate to embarrass him, but I met him a couple months ago. And at the, one of the day I met him, he said that he only had a few days to live. And I was like, oh my goodness, I kind of stopped everything and listened to him and his story. And uh, I helped him that day and I got a ride for him. And I ended up praying for him and kind of just stopping my afternoon and spending time with this guy who said he only had a couple days to live. He said what was wrong with him, that he only had a few days to live. And then I saw this guy a couple weeks later. And I think he forgot that he had met me. I, I'm, I try to be really good with names and faces and people's stories, especially here in Manitou as a pastor in Manitou. And so I saw this guy again, and I started up a conversation, and he said that something different was wrong. It was like a different story. Like he's, the first one, I think he was talking about his lungs, and then it was like something wrong with his bones. And he said he didn't have very long to live, but it was a totally different story. And then I've seen this guy quite a few times in Manitou, uh, and he just has a different story every time I meet him. And I'm beginning to think that he really believes that he's sick, but it's somewhat of a delusional thing. Something's not right about his story. It's somewhat delusional. Could Jesus' claims about himself be in that category that maybe he thought he was 
God himself, and he was claiming these things, but could he have just been delusional? Who do you say I am? That's the question Jesus asks of his disciples. Let me read for you um, a statement. It's kind of a nerdy thing, and I'm kind of a a, a nerdy guy sometimes. It's a quote from C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. C.S. Lewis is uh, the guy that wrote The Lion, The Witch, The Wardrobe, some other fiction uh, stories you might know of him because a movie's been made about The Lion, The Witch, or The Wardrobe. But C.S. Lewis was a profound Christian thinker, and he wrote a book called Mere Christianity. And in it, he basically lays out the argument that I just stated, that Jesus couldn't just be a good person. He says, I want to make sure that no one makes this silly mistake and just says that Jesus was just a good person and just a good teacher. He couldn't have been a good teacher because what he taught were these bold claims about himself. So he was either lying about who he was, he was delusional about who he was, or he was who he said he was, which is the Lord. So let me read this. Try to stay with me. It's um, a little heady here. C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity. I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. So think about it. Oftentimes, if you talk to someone that's maybe not a believer in Jesus, they don't go to church, you know, what would you say about Jesus? Oftentimes, they would say something like this, that they're ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't want to accept his claim to be God. (coughs) Excuse me. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would be either a lunatic on the level of the man who says he is a poached egg uh, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make the choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else he is a madman or something worse. You can shut him up as a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall flat at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being just a great human teacher. Pretty powerful quote. Here's some of the statements that Jesus says about himself. This is not an exhaustive list, but these are some I am statements. These are the ones that we will be talking about in this series. He says, I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. And finally, we're going to talk about I am the true vine. He makes bold claims about himself, and they demand a decision from him. Is he who he said he was? Today, we're going to talk about one of the claims, one of these claims of Jesus. It's where Jesus claims that he is this food. It's, it's the most efficient food I think the world has ever known. It's probably the most common food the world has ever known. It's probably the earliest example of a, um, how did I put it, a processed or an artificial food that the world has ever known. In the ancient world, it, it's uh, probably assumed that 80 plus percent of the ancient world's diet in the ancient Middle East where Jesus lived was this food. If you harvest a field, This food can stay good for over easily 30 years if it's stored in a cool, dry place without any insects or or critters. It could stay for 30 years, and this could still be food 30 years later. Of course, I'm talking about bread, that Jesus claims that he is the bread of life. So what exactly does he say? 
Well, Jesus, uh, the, the passage Eileen read was prefaced by a sentence Jesus says in John 6, 35. Jesus said this. He declares, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Think about that claim for just a second. I mean, comparing it with my silly claim as, as a, an example that I said, I'm the greatest fisherman ever. That's nothing compared to what Jesus just said. He says, he is the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And people begin to argue amongst themselves. And then starts the passage that Eileen read for us, where he says, I am the bread of life. And he, he says this statement twice, and so we'll talk about it in just a second. He says, your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. What is that? We'll talk about that. And he says that at the end. He prefaces what he's saying with saying, your ancestors, the people that have gone before you, the Jewish people, the Old Testament stories, have the story of people eating the bread called manna, and they died. He says that at the end as well. And then he says, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. And he says this, my bread, this bread, sorry, he's talking about himself, is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The life of the world is in Jesus' flesh. And the Jews began to argue amongst themselves. I mean, just think about like this bold claim of this person. Of course, people are going to be divided. Like, whoa, he, do you realize what he's saying? He's saying he's God. He's saying he is the great provider. He's saying uh, that, that he is the bread of life. And then he ends this passage talking about his own flesh and then saying, your ancestors ate the manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. So what is this manna? How many of you have you heard the story of the manna before. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, most of you. It's in the Old Testament. It's a story of when the the Israelites are in Egypt and they want to get out of Egypt because they're slaves there. And uh, Moses is their leader and he goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, not too fast. And so there's these plagues that God plagues the Egyptians with. And eventually Pharaoh says, okay, you can go. And so they go into the desert. And there's a lot more to that story, but it's a dry place. So imagine people like in like uh, east of here, like east of Falcon, it's very dry there. Imagine hundreds of thousands of people in like east of Falcon in, in, the, in the fields out there with tents and some prov- provisions. They bring their uh, little chairs, their camp stoves and stuff. And eventually the food would run out and they begin to question God. God, why did you bring us into the desert? Are you not going to provide for us? And then what happens? Well, it's this miracle where there's, where there's no way, the Lord provides a way. Where there's no hope, the Lord provides something called manna. And you know what that word means? It means, what is this? And that's what the word means. It's like, the, what is this? And so if you've ever thought, like, what was that? Well, even the people who ate it didn't know what it was. They called it, what is this? And it began to say, how's your what is this? Good. My what is this is good. Uh, this what is this is a little soggy today. It's the manna that the Lord, where there was no way, people, hundreds of thousands of people living in a dry place without any food get provided for by the Lord Almighty. On Tuesday, we, uh, we have a prayer meeting every Tuesday in the upper room, downtown Manitou. Uh, and, and this last Wednesday, our theme was the Lord's Prayer. And of course, there's this beautiful line in the Lord's Prayer that we ask something from the Lord. We say, give us today our daily bread. 
So it's a, it's a time, like when? Well, give us today. And it's an amount. How much? It's our daily bread. How much and, and when? Today we need how much we need to eat. And that's what we ask the Lord for. Where there's no way, the Lord provides a way. That's the, the first uh, sermon point that I have, uh, one of two, that Jesus is our provider. He is the one that provides for us. When we think there's no way, he makes a way. Since my family's here, I'll, I'll, I'll reshare the story very briefly that uh, the day before we launched our congregation, this church, uh, last Easter, my mom got really sick and really, really sick. And the short of the story is that the, there was a week where she didn't get any better. She, she was not breathing on her own. She was not conscious. Uh, we, we found out later that she had meningitis. And, and the doctors were all on the same page. And we as a family were on the same page that, that, that it, she's on life support. There is no hope. There was no way the Lord was going to, or anything, could, there was no way, medically speaking, that, that anything would happen further with my mom. And we said goodbye to her. We took her off life support. And where there wasn't a way, the Lord made a way. And so there's my mom right back there. She's just in the, in the back row. Hi, Mom. The, and and we, we've heard the nurses say, like, I don't, I don't throw around the word miracle too much, but that doesn't happen. That's not supposed to happen that someone is that far sick and on life support and you take that person off life support and here they are today, about a year later, uh, doing great. That where there was no way, the Lord provided a way. Jesus is the provider. We can ask him and he provides. He says that he is the bread of life. He uh, like equals himself with this living bread that, that everyone needs something to eat, and he equates himself with food that we eat. Every Wednesday, our, our congregation, many of us that, that can, we, we go downtown in Manitou, and we're a part of the, the Manitou Springs Pantry that our, the Manitou mayor started uh, a couple years ago now, and then she trusted us enough as a congregation to begin to run this pantry. So every Wednesday, uh, there's, there's information on your bulletin if you're interested, but we get to be a part of providing for people daily bread. We get to be a part, there's, there's people in our town that, that need the sustenance that we bring and, and are a part of with this pantry. And it's so wonderful. We, we always take a couple minutes before we open the doors to the pantry and we, and we pray. And one of the themes that we continually pray is, Lord, thank you for allowing us to see your provisions in our community, that you are the great provider. One of our verses that, that we picked up on really early as a congregation, and it, it, it became kind of an answer anthem for us. And, and I would go further and say that I think these verses were prophetically given to us for the time that we planted New Life Manitou. It's a passage in Isaiah 41 that, that begins that when there's poor and needy in, in, in the land and their tongues are parched with thirst, then the Lord will provide and he will bring water. He will be the provider. Where there's no way, the Lord will provide a way that Jesus is the provider. The second point of this sermon, uh, two of two, is that Jesus is not only the provider, he is our provision. He's not only the one who provides, but 
saying that he is the bread of life is saying that he is the provision, the provision himself. If you've ever studied psychology, one of the things, uh, one of the topics you'll learn is, is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It starts off with we, we all have these needs in life, and the lowest need is uh, philosoph- uh, uh, not philosophical, uh, physiological needs for bread, uh, for water, for food, for clothing, for shelter. And then above that was like the need for uh, affection, the need for love, the need to be self-actualized. But at the base of that, we are all, we need to have these certain needs met of, of, of water and food and, and provisions. And Jesus equates himself with that very low set of need that we need to be fed, literally. And so he is our provision. We, I think, in, in America, uh, we're so guilty, myself included, of, of just always kind of wanting more. And there's lots of wealth in America, so we could always want newer, better um, worse things with more status, better stuff, richer stuff. And, and Jesus equates himself not with these grand things of status, but just with the, the basic needs that we need to live, that he is the one who provides and he is the provision. He's not a God who's, our, who's at like our butler that we can just, you know, just send a request to him. And he, he wants us to have more and more status and more and more stuff no, instead he, you know, the, the Lord's Prayer says, give us today our daily bread. He wants to provide for us at our most basic needs and then go from there. So let me give you a couple words of application that this bread that we eat, it's, it's spiritual bread. When Jesus declares that he is the bread of life, there's something that happens when we are hungry and then we eat. Our bellies get full and we're satisfied. In the same way, when we feed ourselves of the Lord, when we do the things of the Lord, our life gets full. Jesus says this, his disciples find Jesus and he must have been hungry, he must have gone a long time without food. And his disciples are saying, Jesus, you need to eat something. And his response is, I have food, but it's food you know nothing about. He goes on to say, my food is to do the work of the one who sent me. And that work, that that um, The work of God, living a life according to God and saying no to the things of the flesh and saying yes to the things of God will give us a full, deep, awesome life. So I want to read for us uh, uh, the the end of the passage that Eileen already read. And this is to prepare us for communion. That the mystery of taking communion, the mystery of believing in God and and taking the bread and, and, and the cup uh, symbolically and, and, and mysteriously reflect taking in the Lord and believing upon him. So Jesus says this. He says, For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate the manna and they died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Would you bow your heads and and pray with me? Lord, we want to be filled to the brim with, with you, Lord, that you are the life of the world, that you are the bread of life. Lord, that we we boldly believe this bold claim that you said if if anyone 
eats of you, they will never be hungry again. If we believe in you, we will never be thirsty again. So Father, as we prepare to, to partake in communion to this mystery of taking the bread that represents your flesh and the, the cup that represents your blood, Lord, fill us from the inside out. Lord, you are the great provider and you are our provision. And we praise you and we worship you. Amen. As we prepare to partake in communion, would you stand with me? We're going to read together this prayer. It's the confession prayer that has been said for years and years that we come before the Lord in need of him to fill us up. Would you join with me in saying, most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we might delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen.